Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball. Always wearing red and being loud. Hey, here come the Flyers. Hey, here come the Flyers. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud after a God's honest, entertaining basketball game that we witnessed tonight. Dayton Flyers a loser, 53-52 on their own home floor to the VCU Rams. And start the show tonight by saying this is what you people wanted. This is what you wanted. You wanted college basketball back in your lives. I heard it. I saw it. I sensed it with my own eyes. I've been on Twitter. I've been in the streets. I've been asking people, and I swear that a lot of you wanted this tonight. Well, guess what, baby birds? You got it. You got college basketball back in your life. You have heartbreak back in your life. You have maddening Anthony Grant decisions in the final two minutes of a game back in your life. It's all back in your life, wearing red, being loud, and the Flyers have another L to show for it again, 53-52. Your final on a ridiculous three-pointer by VCU. We're getting into all of it tonight, and I have two guests joining me on the show. Whether you're listening to us on ESPN Radio or on the podcast feed of Talking Out Loud, that's L-O-W-D. We welcome you into the show. Tonight's show is brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. All right, now that I've gotten that out of the way, introductions and such, I have to welcome onto the show uh, my colleague who is often with me for these episodes. He goes by Blackburn. He's joining us from New York City to break down what we just saw. Blackburn, are you glad to have college basketball back in your life now, or are you kind of um, second-guessing this decision? Well, I, I didn't miss it until tonight, to be quite honest with you. I, I didn't either. Of, I didn't either. Of course, season, on the table. You know, people got the NFL to worry about, and college basketball kind of fell to the wayside. But then... You know, I looked today and I was like, oh, that's right. Dayton's playing a, a, a game of basketball tonight. That's pretty cool. And a fun game. You know, when, we, at, when you play VCU. VCU yeah. Right. It's always a good time. Yeah. Um, it, it's always, a you know, a disgusting display, but it, entertaining nonetheless uh, at the end there. So, I mean, 
uh, a good foray back into the um, back into the swing of things. Indeed, and because we are a fair podcast that likes to play both sides of the coin, and we like to hear from everybody, and we seek the truth in all matters regarding basketball of the Dayton Flyers variety, we have brought on a victor tonight. He goes by Matt Shelton-Eyed, and he is from the VCU Ram Nation blog. You can catch him on Twitter at VCU Ram Nation. He's been with us for a really long time. He's covered the team for a long time. He was with the podcast uh, probably about seven years ago when you first did the show with us matt how long has it been that you've been with us doing these types of programs oh man we go way back i guess i don't know what do you think blackburn was it 2013 i mean i I feel like uh i founded a little website called a10 talk and i reached out to blackburn right away so i feel like we were kind of working together since then sort of but i don't know prehistoric days of a10 twitter going on yeah we're going on a decade almost See, oh, see, Matt's been he's been in the blog game long enough where he's kind of he's kind of like me where he's kind of in and out in and out in and out. That's how long he's been around. Like yeah. he's had the opportunity to be out of it and then back into it. Yeah, that's right. Feels nothing, good to be in it tonight, though. I was going to say, well, nothing will take you out of it like a Dayton season that we've seen to this point. You know, going eight and five in the first thirteen, but nothing will suck you back in quite like a game like we just saw, gentlemen. And you know, I started the show with saying. You can say a lot of things. A basketball game was played tonight in Dayton, Ohio. But one thing you cannot say was that this game was not entertaining, Blackburn. You absolutely cannot say that after what we just witnessed. It, it was entertaining in a certain sense, yes. It was a close score. That first <laughs> half was deplorable. Um, and like you said, it made me question whether or not I wanted college basketball back in my life. But you're right. It, it, that's the thing. We were talking about this before we started the show playing VCU is just, it's always going to be ugly. It's always going to be nasty, but oftentimes and more times than not, it leads to like kind of an entertaining close game. Uh, and that's what we, we got tonight. Unfortunately, you know, um, VCU made one more shot than UD and Dayton falls to what? Eight and six now. Eight and on the six. Season. It's an, it's an ugly eight and six. And on the last show, if you joined us right before the Christmas break, um, I went on a long diatribe about how, you know, to be honest, it, this season has been ugly. It hasn't been fun. It hasn't been really what we had expected as Dayton fans. And I just say that because when you're eight and five, you know, you're out of the at large conversation. Um, that's, that's just not where we expect to be going into January. And, and that's really as simple as it gets, you know, you can take your moral victories and winning at Kansas. We can always discuss the losses, um, to start the year to, to go one and three, but at the end of the day, where we sit right now is kind of in a season where, um, we have to take it week by week as fans to just kind of enjoy what's in front of us. You know, I guess, I, I guess even more so week to week, but a game to game perspective, because, Usually it's like, all right, what are the teams in the A-10 doing? What do we have to do for our resume to strengthen it? And this year, it's it's not like that. And that's kind of what's bummed me out about going into this A-10 season is that the people that are generally starting to pick up college basketball right now as it gains momentum into March, they're not going to be picking up the Dayton Flyers. You know, They're going to be watching them one off or, hey, we're going to the game because the, the kids have a night off from their basketball practice or whatever the hell. You know, it kind of breeds more of this like, I don't say fair weather fandom, but um, you can equate it to people that go to church on Christmas and Easter. It's kind of the same thing. You know, when Dayton has seasons like this, you get a lot more people that are coming to church on Christmas and Easter and not necessarily following the whole journey. So that's why we're here to do the show, because we follow the whole journey. Matt, I want to know your your first takeaway from the game tonight, you know, before we we kind of get into like the final sequences and and how we feel from the VCU perspective, 
this is kind of the game that you guys wanted to play. You got UD into your game. And, and I thought for a while there that, hey, UD's going to beat VCU at their own game. I want to know if, if you kind of shared that opinion as well tonight. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when just kind of looking at, at this game um, before it happened, looking at how the teams have done and how they are statistically, I, you know, I didn't know if, uh, well, one, two, we, I mean, we've missed four games with COVID, so I didn't know who was going to play. But also, um, you know, if defense would travel as, as it typically has, Dayton is, has been quite good under Anthony Grant, scoring on easy buckets. Um, it's a big game, uh, A-10 opener. So I didn't really quite know what to expect, but um, kind of as we got into it, um, you know, I got to, I, I started to see like, this is a VCU game. Um, yeah. This is what I'm used to. It is, it is a hard attack because it's points are so hard to come by, but um, we, we've just gotten used to it. And so I did think it um, was going our way. But like you said, I thought you, I thought, especially in the second half, um, Dayton had figured out some stuff on some pick and rolls with Holmes. And I thought, Oh, um, they've, they figured it out. We weren't uh, attacking the zone like we did against Syracuse. And I, I thought it wasn't going our way, but um, you know, flyers had that, that big uh, stretch during late in the second half where they just couldn't score. And then, yeah, again, Ace hit a huge shot. So it, yeah, it's what we're used to as VCU fans. I know it's not Dayton fans aren't used to the 53, 52 games. Um, and we're getting and, used yeah. to it. We're getting, yeah, we're tonight, getting more you used know, to tonight it. it just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, tonight it went our way. Yeah. Let me let me ask you boys something. Let me kind of, real quickly. Open it if up. If I told you, if I told you one team went to the foul line twenty seven times, and the other team went to the foul line twice, who would you say won that ball game? <laughs> generally speaking right. or tonight <laughs> generally, spe- generally 99 speaking times out of 100 yeah the team that goes to the line more is going to win that game um especially when you consider the fact that dayton scored 19 points from the line tonight which if you're doing math very quickly means that they had 33 points from the field the entire night and i don't want to take anything away from vcu that's why we had matt on the show tonight VCU went into this game with the number three defense in the country. They had the number one three-point defense in the country. They had the number two effective field goal percentage from their opponents in the country. And they were number four in the amount of times that they were turning the ball over. So, you know, make no mistake about it. We're not sitting here tonight saying, boy, like Dayton fell into a trap. Like, how could they have possibly done that? What Dayton did was go up against one of the best defensive teams in the country. And frankly, they looked like it. So what the game plan then turned into was, let's be physical, let's get to the line. And I'm going to be honest with you, Blackburn, and all the listeners out there that you know think we're going to go down this this lane and for the next 45 minutes trash Anthony Grant in like the last two minutes. As bad as the last two minutes were, and they were bad, and we will we will discuss it, I was very ready to come on this cast with about four minutes left in the game and talk about how how great I thought Grant prepared the team for what they saw. And then how great Grant adjusted to things that that he saw during the game. And I mean, yeah, did UD turn the ball over in the first half? Sure. Then they started to tighten the ball up a little bit more. They started to break press a little bit better. They started to step into passes a little bit more. And then the second half, they went into a zone defense, which I thought was very effective because it kind of forced VCU into a style of play offensively that they're not used to. And so I, I was honestly, you know, 
kind of surprised tonight because there was a couple of things that I looked at to say, hey, that was a really good adjustment. Matt, from your perspective, did you see that as well? I mean, it felt like in the second half, Dayton really did a lot of things defensively that were giving VCU fits. And, and that, again, was kind of going to be the key to us winning tonight. Yeah, you know, when I saw the zone, I mean, it's a it's a great move um, because we are not known for our shooting. We're one of the you know one of the worst three point shooting teams uh, you'll see this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I mean, we weren't we weren't exactly lighting it up in the first half either. I mean, we were getting all of our points off of turnovers. So I, honestly, when he went to zone, I thought initially that it might help us. Um, we've played Syracuse, and I was surprised at how well we played against them offensively. So I thought the zone was going to help us. Um, but it didn't. But luckily, it didn't matter because we just we just kept the, de- the our defense stayed consistent throughout, and we made enough big shots, um, including that huge one at the end to come out on top. But what, like what Blackburn was saying, I mean, the, the free throw disparity that's mind boggling um, to be outscored by seventeen at the stripe. You you don't have two of your starters and to come up with a road win. Um, but yeah, the the second half zone switch. I mean it. It shut us down, but luckily for VCU, we're, we're used to not scoring. So it was like, okay, well. <laughs> this is our game. <laughs> this is another way to not score. Let's just keep this defense going um, do enough to win. Yeah, and, you know, UD did a lot of the things that, that they do effectively. I mean, they, they out-rebounded VCU on the defensive end. VCU actually got the best of them on the offensive end. But, you know, I thought the game plan was pretty simple tonight for Dayton. They were going to have to hit threes and they were going to have to be at least average defensively. I thought they were above average defensively, but you saw it. They were three for 15 from downtown. I mean, that's kind of been Dayton's MO. They can't shoot the three ball. And, you know, frankly, if we start getting into to lineups and, and talking about guys specifically, if Kobe Bray and, and Amzil are not hitting threes, they don't really have a useful purpose on the floor during the game. You yank them. It, it just, it, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I've started to get away over the years here of like outwardly trashing kids here and there. But like from a purely basketball perspective, those guys have to be hitting shots because they don't do enough other things well to cover up for that. Like, you know, Mally Smith can't really shoot the ball very well, but he's a great floor general. He plays with pace. He leads the charge and, and he's always sharing the ball and he gets to the bucket and plays great defense. All of those things make up for the fact that he can't shoot where the lick, you know? Um, and, and those guys don't have that to fall back on. So, um, Blackburn, I know that we don't have to sit here and be like, Oh my God, the implications of this game. But <laughs> An initial reaction, you know, this is why we do the rapid reaction right after the game. We're recording minutes after Dayton finished up uh, against VCU. But what is your initial takeaway from the game? We let him off the hook. <laughs> let him off the hook. Um, it, it's like you said it. And I think we said this earlier in the year. Dayton is gonna is gonna live or die by the three. Now we we're not saying they got to go down and uh, go out there and knock down forty percent of their their trays. We're not saying that. But like you said. If you shoot twenty percent from the three point line, you know, especially in conference, you're you're not going to have a good time, and that's just the way it, that's just the way it is. And it was nice to see Kamara step up today, and uh, you know, I know a lot of the fans have been kind of ragging him for his struggles from uh, behind the arc, but he knocked down a couple threes. Me being one of uh, them, I think this is a yeah. blind squirrel nut situation here. Um, yeah, he's going to be open the whole year. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. That's the thing. It, 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 it's almost a point of pride. You know You know what I mean? For him, it's like, you know, uh, and it's got to be. I mean, good for him for knocking him down because 
it was pretty clear VCU had game planned him pretty well where they know, look, he's effective around the bucket, but if he's uh, standing outside, let him be. Um, you know, and I, again, like you said, we're trying to get away from pointing fingers at specific players, but you just didn't have any, any juice from Elijah Weaver tonight. I, I don't even remember him making any plays. Um, no. and he probably, he probably played about 20, 25 minutes, something like that. But yeah, it's frustrating because Dayton did all the right things. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over as much as you probably projected them to after the first 10 minutes of the game. Uh, and like I said, they got to the line 27 times. And it's like, it's almost impossible to lose a game where you, you go to the line 25 times more than the, the opposition. But you know what? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's the season's back. Um, so th- let's just let's just celebrate the fact that we, we got to watch 40 minutes of a game tonight. Let's celebrate Obi Toppin coming back. Uh, I've never seen the, the, the crowd as happy or as elated as when the legend came back. And I'm pretty sure he came back to UD to get some retroactive NIL money. I guarantee you. <laughs> Probably. He was owed he's somebody like, around town. Like, someone's got to pay me some money. Like, yeah. come on. The guys this is about a year. The guys that used to own Frank Z or somewhere like yeah, he's, he's probably got a charge. He's driving home in a charger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2009 charger. <laughs> well, uh, we asked questions about Ovi's uh, travel plans, and we do have things to discuss about Anthony Grant and how we all feel about the last two minute segment. But unfortunately, that's coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Talking Out Loud tonight's show on ESPN Radio and the podcast feed is brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. Short break, and then we'll be right back right here on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. And welcome back into Talking Out Loud, the rapid reaction segment to Dayton, a loser tonight against VCU 53-52 at UD Arena. I'm your host, Sully, joined by Blackburn and our friend Matt Shelton Eyed at VCU Ram Nation. Thanks for joining in, Talking Out Loud tonight, brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. Um, gentlemen, we saw on the uh, broadcast tonight, if you're watching on CBS Sports, and if you're listening on the radio, good for you. Good for you, supporting local radio. But if you were watching on television, Obi Toppin was at the game tonight, sitting right behind the bench with mom, brother Jacob, and wife. Um, Quickly on the podcast, because we do like seeking the truth for all matters regarding the Dayton basketball program. One of the biggest bombshells of the season for the Dayton basketball program and around our sphere, Blackburn, I don't know if you were aware of this, but Obi Toppin had a child while he was at Dayton, and nobody knew about it. That absolutely floored me. I found out on Instagram recently, because he had pictures with like his wife, his wife, girlfriend, whatever, and then he had two children instead of the one that his wife slash girlfriend puts on Instagram all the time. So it led many people in Dayton Twitter to be asking questions that they didn't know Obi had a second child, and indeed, Obi does have a second child, and I started doing the math, and it it happened while he was at Dayton. So that was that was a bomb. That was a bomb. How, how how does that work? I don't know. I had a lot of questions after that. None of which I need to ask here on the podcast. But I don't mean no. I don't mean the act of lovemaking. I mean how do you <laughs> how, how do you hide a baby? Like how do you hide the hide the baby? Boy, I just don't know. Um, it's you know, baby is with a different woman. Don't need I've to really it. get into his personal oh, life. True, oh. true, 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 true. We've you all know. done it. I just. Premarital yeah. sex? Yeah, I don't think so, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
Not at the University of Dayton. We're a Catholic institution. I went to a public school, you guys. Yeah, you went to a public school, you cretins. Get out of here. We're we're Catholic school. I'm a a two-condom man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, So anyway, starting the show there, uh, if you're tuning in on the radio, you're probably like, why are these guys talking about uh, Obi Toppin's second child on (laughs) a rapid reaction? But here we are. If you're familiar with the show, you you probably know that this falls in line with what we're willing to discuss on this program. but with Obi behind the bench tonight, it got us asking questions, not about his second child, but about his travel plans. And Blackburn, I know <laughs> you had a lot of questions about his travel plans. <laughs> yeah, and I so I went to work and I had my people. I got a plane guy. Everybody needs a plane guy. You know, if you get stuck, you got a flight delay in one of those cities that, you know, you don't necessarily want to be in. You want to get home for the night. You know, if you're traveling, you got to have a plane guy, right? Right. It just it just happens to be my brother. But anyways, um, I, I got a plane guy and my plane guy said that there aren't any private planes in the last 24 hours that landed at Dayton International Airport that were coming from anywhere near New York City. So that means that Obi Toppin took the American 4633 flight yesterday out of, I think, Newark. I didn't get that information. And then he is flying American Airlines back to New York City tomorrow because there was a game at the Garden on Tuesday night and a game at the Garden on Thursday night, which means Obi flew to Dayton on Wednesday morning, made the game, and is going to be flying back. Blackburn, I was flabbergasted to learn this because I cannot believe that a professional athlete would put that amount of weight into trusting American Airlines with his travel plans. What say you? Yeah, I mean, anybody who's flown American the past couple of months, I have. Me too. Uh, it's a mess. It's yeah, you're throwing fate into the wind. I mean, there's a there's a 50 50 shot you're even getting on the plane. And you're um, not going between ORD and San Francisco or Dallas. You're going no. from Dayton to Newark. Right. Like, you're, get, you're getting a guy who might be doing his first flight ever. <laughs> you still know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if your flight gets canceled, you're out of options. Yeah. It's just wild to me because I was kind of in my head. I'm thinking, and again, this is the kind of stuff I think about when I'm watching the basketball game. Have to. It, right. The logistics behind Obi's travels. But. I was just thinking like, all right, because I know from flying from New York to Dayton, there aren't a lot of options. You know what I mean? Direct, yeah, you've done it. Direct, I've done it. There's not <laughs> a lot of options out there, even though you are flying from one international airport to another international airport, sure. in Dayton International Airport. Um, they have <laughs> one flight a year to Canada, right? But yeah, because I was like, well, maybe the Knicks have like two or three days off and he decided to come and, you know, uh, you know, have people kiss the ring. But they People are the, willing. Oh, yeah. I, I, shit. I, yeah. I, he's, <laughs> he's sorry. Oh, man. I mean, he, he's got two kids. So obviously people are willing to kiss them ring, but he's going back early morning tomorrow. And then he's got to go right probably to the garden and prep, you know, you know, work out a little bit, get some shots up. And I'm wondering why, why, to, why did he decide to come to a Wednesday night game in the middle of January? That's what I'm saying. We play in Philly twice. It's VCU. I guess, I guess the Rams are in town. Maybe he had the Rams, you know, circle on the calendar. But then I thought, I legit thought because I saw people tweeting like, "Oh my God, Obi's in the building." I was like, "Oh, UD is obviously like going to do like a special, you know, jer- jersey retirement ceremony kind of deal." Um, but that wasn't the case either. He was just chilling with his family in Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> on Wednesday. The guy's a the guy's an NBA player, lives in New York City, and then I, I didn't think this was right either. They made him or coaxed him at least to give a speech after the first you know, the first time out of the game. And I don't think he was prepared for it. He, he didn't really have much to say. And I thought that was very unfair. He just wanted to sit there and kind of chill 
Um, I, I don't think they should have put him on the spot like that. You know, I was thinking that myself. Um, you know, love Obi to death, but I take it from someone who does it weekly. If you're not used to speaking in front of a crowd, especially live, like when I'm doing the podcast, I'm in my house by myself. It's a lot easier to just like speak freely because I'm talking at a wall. Basically, you people are listening. Joke's on you. Um, but when you're in front of a crowd, it's much more nerve wracking. So I don't want anybody to take that for granted. But yeah, he didn't have a whole lot to say, which means I, I just I hope that they prepared him for that moment. Um, all right. We're going to get to trivia because I don't want oh, things. One, to go- one more thing. One more, I, add on I, to that before I get to trivia. Yeah, I wanted I, this. Is, this is something that's been bugging me for the whole season. And I want Matt is known for his uh, intelligence and se- his sensitivity and his insight into the human condition. So I want his take on this, too. <laughs> Why does Anthony Grant sit on a stool? I don't know. Actually, well, what, what, I, I don't what know. is it about? Matt, weigh in. You know, I, I don't think he did that at VCU. So, I know he I did. Mean, he, he did he it also, last year. He also didn't have a salt and pepper beard back at VCU either. So it's got to go. A new thing. I've, spoken, I've spoken publicly about the beard. It's got to go. I kind of like it. Have <laughs> you guys seen it? He, he had a quote. Have you seen his post-game quote, by the way? No, I didn't. F. Sully? Well, this is... Well, Sully's this, an idiot. He, he said... I'll give this to you, Sully. You'll enjoy this. He said, we don't play hard enough. Guys are more interested in I want to play rather than I want to compete. I want to win. Oh, I like that. Chew on that. He said that? He he did indeed. So he apparently got got a bit on his soapbox uh, after the game. I don't think he was uh, that happy with the performance. And here's one more thing. I'll just interject about the stool again. Whenever I see a stool, I always kind of associate it with suicide. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's a very, it's kind of like on the, like you're that close to standing on top of it and just letting it kick over. So visually, I just don't like it. It just, I don't know. There's something (laughs) small that just really irks me and I can't get over it. I think, I think you've definitely gave it a little more more thought than I ever have. I I just get, the beard really sucks me in. That's all I can really look at. I like the beard. The beard makes him look uh, distinguished, like a vet. Uh, I take him more seriously. The only thing. If he had on like some thick black glasses, then I'd be like, oh my God, this guy is just a basketball <laughs> savant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that does lead me to our trivia segment tonight uh, without further ado. Um, and it has to do with the, the Dayton VCU series because, as Matt said, we have played in a lot of close games recently. And that's kind of what's led to it being a rivalry. We've talked about it a lot on the show. Um, if you've joined us in previous seasons, that you you can't fabricate a rivalry. It can't be made up because people want to say it's a rivalry. It took years for Dayton and St. Louis to kind of you know rekindle flames and make the Arch Baron Cup what it is today. It came from a lot of games in the early 2000s that were close, a lot of overtime games, double overtime games even, ugly slugfest like we saw here today against VCU. And the VCU series is really the same. We played a lot of meaningful games against VCU over the years, a lot of games that had weight behind them, an A-10 championship, uh, two games that had the conference regular season title on the line. Um, and then we've met two other times in the A-10 tournament aside from that A-10 championship. So it always feels like something's on the line um, in most seasons, at least not this one particularly. But like we said, we tuned in a little bit more because it's it's VCU versus Dayton. So hit the music. So for trivia tonight, my question is, boys, the first two meetings when VCU uh, rejoined the conference, uh, those were a 12-point win by VCU and a 14-point win. 
since that time, so starting with the 2014-15 season, how many games have been decided by 10 points or more in this rivalry? And I will go as far as to say that we are talking about a sample set of 15 games. Can I, can I buzz in on that? Sure. 10 or more? I think it's... I, I, I want to say it's... Counting tonight, sorry, it's 16 games. So counting tonight, 16 games 16? total. How many decided I, by double I, digits? I want to say two. I feel like I remember you guys waxing us once. Yeah. With us, and us doing the same to you all once. My gut says two. Yeah, I, I was going to say two as well. But you guys are actually one. one off. It's it one? three. Okay. But you were pretty close. There was the 106-point explosion by the 2018 Dayton team, who was just not good at all. And then there was the one that you remember, Matt. VCU uh, won by 23 once. Yeah, that was last at year. VCU last season. The one you guys forgot was the 2020 year. Uh, Dayton welcomed in VCU to begin the A-10 slate like early on, and they won that game by 14. Yeah. So um, if you take away, you know, 2020 season. Um, and, and a couple of those shellackings. There you have it's the proof in the pudding right there. 13 out of the 16 meetings have been decided by single digits. And of those games, including tonight, three of them have been decided by exactly one point. I bet that doesn't surprise you, Matt. That's good stuff. I know. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very good at trivia. That's my oh, thing. Can we Speaking of trivia, can we give a, a quick shout out to the, uh, the, the, the lady, I guess, on Jeopardy? was a ud grad did you know that sully oh yeah i did see that i did yeah see so that. shout out to um that lady yeah i, yeah. I didn't remember the name of the person um but shout know, out to we shout out to we but yeah it's just like you know anytime there's a dayton person doing things in anything that's noteworthy i'm on board you know um <clears throat> so looking at the box score tonight um i i, I hate to, to be this simplistic about it but it's like eventually Dayton's going to have to get some contributions from somebody else in their line at Blackburn. That's, that's just the God's honest truth, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, for, for a stretch there, I think we all thought uh, Weaver was going to be that guy to give a little punch off the bench. Cause we, you know, he was kind of suited for that role. I thought, Oh, absolutely. Um, and he, he seemed like he was, he was going to be that guy, but um, tonight, obviously, you know, 22 minutes, no points. Uh, that, that ain't going to get it done. Uh, and look, w- the Ansel mystery continues. I mean, to think about where this guy was walking Gosh. off the street uh, and looking like the best player uh, on the team to where he is now, it- it's unfathomable. I-, I just don't know how that happened. Yeah. I don't know if his confidence is completely shot. He's just not mixing in well with, with the-, the new guys or-, or what have you. But if we can get him going at all, that, that is obviously a huge plus. That was something I was thinking about during the game is Amsel and Ward felt like future NBA players last year. And to, in this game, I mean, Ward played, he had some big defensive plays, but they just seemed like total non-factors. And I had, pegged, had them pegged as future stars. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the story of the season from Dayton is that you, you just, everything that we kind of thought to be true about this team really has not been, right? Um I think going into the year, everybody thought that Kamara was going to be our best player. That hasn't been the case at all, even really for one game. Um, well, he played well tonight. Yeah, he played well tonight, but I'm saying like... He I had a I big opening night. I don't think... 
Go dogs. He he had like there hasn't been a point at the, of the season where I've been like that guy is definitely our best player. Right, right, you, right. You, and that that's the point. Is it coming into the year? That's what we all thought, right? And then going a little bit further, everybody kind of thought, well, you know, you're going to have Weber and Elvis and Blakeney. And then what else are we going to have? And, you know, Holmes is going to be pretty good. I think the only thing that's really gone to plan for us is that Holmes has been so solid and he is such a force on the defensive end. I, you're seeing his offense improve game in, game out now. Like it's taking baby steps. And, and when, you're starting kind of as awkwardly as he did on the offensive end to begin the season. It's going to take some time, but his defense really makes up for it, Matt. I, I was curious if you kind of noticed how much he's able to alter the game defensively down low just because of his shot blocking ability. I mean, he's he's the kind of guys Rhodes tries to recruit and loves. I mean, yeah. he's extremely long. Uh, he can do everything. He can, I mean, he can defend five positions. Um, he's, he's such an athlete and yeah, he's a shot blocker. He blocks almost 10% of his opponent's shots. So, I mean, I knew he was going to be a problem, um, for us all night. And he was, he was exactly that. And his future, I mean, my question I was thinking just watching him is how, how many years does he play at Dayton? Cause I, I mean, to me, yeah, he's got clear, uh, next level potential. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to be breaking down the last couple of minutes for things where they went wrong, where we think adjustments can be made and where we're going to do a little um, we're going to do a little couch fan stuff, you know, yelling. It's yelling about things that we think we we know a thing or two about. That's all coming up on the other side of the break. Stick around. We got some slander. We have some of the hot takes. Last segment, Talking Out Loud, brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed or on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. And welcome back into Talking Out Loud on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton or on your podcast feed, conveniently located on your phone, wherever you are. Quick aside, uh, if you're listening to the show right now um, on a podcast feed, please go like and subscribe to the channel and even leave us a review. If you'd like to comment, that's great. I often talk about the guy who left me a two-star review and said I sucked. I love him a lot because he wasn't. he didn't think I sucked enough to give me the one star. Give me the two star. So I always want to highlight him that every review matters and every comment matters. Like subscribe to the channel talking out loud. It helps me, helps you, everybody. It's a really fair agreement. I give you a show that you like. You give me something that I need in return. All right. Everybody fair. We're square. Great. Tonight's show brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. Third segment tonight starts off with Anthony Grant's post-game comments again from Dayton Loser 53-52 to VCU, dropping them to eight and six on the year. Anthony Grant, um, in his entire time at Dayton, and then before his time at, at VCU and his time at Alabama, Matt, I'm sure can speak to this here in a second, but Anthony Grant has never been a person to publicly call out his team. He always puts up the bulletproof vest for his team. He always stands in front of his guys. He always shields his guys from criticism. He always takes the credit or the blame for all the things that happen on the court. And he does so quite personally. He always has since he's been at Dayton. I've never said otherwise. And while we have a lot of criticisms of Grant, how he handles the end of games um, and how 
uh, he, he, you know, he does a lot of things great. He's a, a great basketball mind, but the end of games is just really not his strength. And it, it never will be. I think it's safe to say that at this point. But tonight, Anthony Grant had the most poignant comment I've ever heard from him. It was the most direct. It was the most scathing. And frankly, it was the most honest. I think Archie Miller could coach at Dayton for 25 years and never have a quote as honest as this one in a press conference because Archie was the kind of guy that would never give you anything and then go into the locker room and MF everybody that's sitting on a stool. So tonight, Anthony Grant took to his postgame interview that he does after every home game on the floor with Larry Hansgen. And here's what he had to say. This is, quote, we don't play hard enough. Guys are more interested in I want to play rather than I want to compete. I want to win. That mentality right now permeates sports in general. I don't want to get on a soapbox, but it's really, really frustrating. Winning is why competitors compete. That's your focus. That's number one. So whether whether you're playing five minutes or 15 to 20 minutes, there's a way that you approach the game with a level of energy and focus. It's not a pickup game. It's not an AAU game. It's not about whether or not things are going well for you individually, end quote. I agree with every word he said. I frankly love AG a shade more because he finally came out and said, What, frankly, we've been saying for about two months now is that this team has the ability to play hard, but they don't. This team has a lot of talent that's not used properly. This team can put forth effort for 40 minutes, but they don't. This team has great role players that don't play those roles, and this team needs a true freshman to be their leader and another true freshman to be their best player defensively down low. All of those things point to this quote that Grant just gave us here after a really disappointing loss in a game that got away from Dayton at home. Um, But with that in mind, uh, Blackburn, I I can't help but applaud Anthony Grant for this quote because I think this is something that we all were thinking and now it's finally out there in black and white. Everybody saw it and now it'll get back to the locker room and and, you know, maybe there's going to be some soul searching that happens after this one. Yeah, you know, we've always been not necessarily critical, but we've kind of pointed out that Grant is kind of he's not a rah-rah guy, right? He's not no. a bit. I don't a want big, I don't want him to be a rah-rah guy. Right. And and this generation of player doesn't respond to that well anyway. And, you know, there is kind of an get off my lawn old man kind of aspect to his comment. Right. Um, but the way he delivered it, I think, speaks true. I mean, it, it sound it doesn't sound like cliche coach speak. It sounds like, and again, say what you will about AG as an in-game guy. He's been around. The, he's been around basketball a long time, and for him to be this out of character, I guess you could say, it, it tells you that things are a lot worse than we think in that locker room as far as effort, maybe some cohesiveness. Um, and Blackburn, I want to butt in real quick to to add something that I made a note of tonight. Here's another example of how bad things are in the locker room. Mally Smith went into halftime with three fouls. Three fouls, okay? The like basketball 101 says you sit him when he comes out for the second half. And guess what? He was right back there on the floor in the second half, which frankly says way more about the other guys on the team than it does about Anthony Grant or Mally Smith. 
Yeah, I mean, it does speak volumes about Mally Smith as well. I mean, that that means that's a kid that you you can trust as a true freshman, right? It's going to give you that effort he's talking about. Right. And he's, he's, a, he's a smart enough kid to know, look, I got three fouls. I got to kind of tighten it up here in the second half. And he obviously has the, the trust. You know, he played, what, almost 40 minutes tonight. Yep. Uh, it probably will play, play close to 40 the rest of the, the season. But again, it, it does speak volumes because this is so out of character for Anthony Grant. Um, he, he's, not a, he's not an emotional guy. He's not a guy to kind of show his cards. And like you said, this is kind of a... a, a kind of a wake-up call, I guess, to a, a certain segment of players. I mean, I think when he talks about compla- uh, complaining about the playing time, I think you can look at the box score tonight and kind of isolate the uh, the guys he's talking about. Yeah. But, I mean, look, he he he's a smart guy. He knows the season is pretty much over with, right? Uh, unless they go on a miracle run uh, in the A-10 tournament. And it's got to be frustrating because th- there was a little bit of promise with this team. Um, obviously the, he has the, three, to know the talents there, basically, right. The, the three losses that, that were absolutely inexcusable, you know, it, it put this, the season on, on, a, obviously a downswing, but, um, the, the Kansas win, you know, it might've been, you know, fake gold, but it, it was still a huge win for the program. And he, he might just be tired of the effort. And at this point, look with the transfer portal, the, the way it is, we've already seen one guy leave mid season through the portal. This might be a shout out from Grant to say, "Look, guys, the portal's right there. If you want, if you're not buying in, take take the the you know take the the easy way out, essentially." And look, I'm like I said, I'm with you. I'm good with it. You got to have guys who who want to be there, who aren't concerned about you know necessarily their own personal production, <clears throat> and the guys who want to win and the guys who compete are the guys who are going to play, and that's just how it's going to be. I'd have to agree with you. Matt, I know you wanted to weigh in on, on Anthony Grant yeah. here as well. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, I started my website in 2007, when, which is when he got hired at VCU. And um, for the three years I covered him, he was one of the most sort of coach speaky, you know, very polished coaches. Granted, we were his first head coaching job, so maybe he felt, you know, I got this is the way you got to be. Um, it was the press conferences were so boring because um, it was just like, all right, you know, here's just, it felt like it came off a printer. All right, go say this. Um, but, you know, some of my good friends played for him and he's a different dude in the locker room. And so, yep. you know, the media, we get to see, you know, the very polished Anthony Grant, but they would say like, you know, when he, when he would get in the locker room, he's like, y'all don't, you know, he would lay into them. It was extremely intimidating. Good dude. They all loved him and respected him. And I saw actually when our 2011 class graduated he was there at their graduation and so they all love the guy um but he the anthony grant people see and the anthony grant um that his players see are you know it's two different things um and so that to to hear him say that doesn't surprise me i know it's not something you get a lot from from him in the post games but you know i think his players have probably heard that a lot more and now fans are just just getting to hear it for the first time. Yeah, because to be honest with you, Matt, and like why <clears throat> this is so frustrating for us is that in seasons like this, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? Like we got out of the non-conference at eight and five. That's crap. It was just a crap non-conference, right? And there's a lot of things that you can point to to say the coach didn't do this. The coach didn't set him up for success here. You know, were they prepared to start the season? And people start to take that as like, oh, you hate Grant and you want him out. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, I I know 
about Grant that he's like one of the better minds in basketball. Like Blackburn said, he's he's been all around. He's been on some some big time staffs. He's you know coached his own program three different times now. The guy knows what he's doing, but there's just so many simple things in games that you can point to, like tonight, not you know fouling when you have two fouls to give up two points. There's just all these very simple basketball 101 things that I think sometimes the situation consumes him and he doesn't really know how to react or, you know, just doesn't think about it, which is perfectly fine. We're all human. I mean, that happens. But you know, tonight was one of those examples where I look at it and I go, all right, we pay the guy like over a million dollars to figure out that you got to you got to give your fouls there. Nobody did. Players got to make plays, of course. But the point I'm getting to here is that when we try to talk honestly about Grant, People kind of spin it and they're like, well, you hate him. And how could you hate on an alum? And Dayton fans have this way about them that they always want to defend Grant. They always want to defend him. And and, and I don't really get it because I, I treat Grant as a coach, just like I would treat any coach, like we treated Archie, like we treated Brian Gregory, you know? Um, and so the one thing I will say just quite honestly is that at his time in Dayton, and maybe that's, you know, him just getting older and, and getting more polished he just doesn't do these kinds of things. He always takes the bullet for his teams. But I I think, and this is me, again, trying to put some context around this. I think that Anthony Grant is starting to realize how rapidly and how dramatically the college basketball landscape is changing around him and what the future of this program looks like. Because the reason that everybody on this podcast is concerned about the direction of our program is that guys are going to transfer in and out, no problem, at you know with the wind. And Dayton can't afford two, three seasons in a row where they do not go to the tournament. It puts you so far behind the eight ball in such a crucial time in the evolution of college basketball. Blackburn, I truly think that Anthony Grant's staring at this going, hey, if we have another season like this, you know, it, it might not work out at Dayton. Well, and you're absolutely right. We, we talked about this before this season. And how the, the transfer portal, you're, you're basically now, you're recruiting your own players as the season goes on. You know, yeah. you don't want to get kids who are disenchanted with the direction of the program and their development. And like we said, we're at that stage now, and Grant recognizes this as well as we do, where, look, at the end of the year, you're trying to make sure that, hey, Mouse Smith, you're cool? Good. All right, <laughs> Holmes, you're good? Cool. Like, you know what I mean? Because the more you, you lose, figure out who you need to keep and who, who you absolutely have to keep, you know. Right. And and like you said, you you were almost recruiting those guys all over again every year. And Holmes might love his time at Dayton. He might love the school, et cetera, et cetera. His teammates. Same with Mally Smith. But, you know, there's going to be people talking in their ear after this year saying, you know what, Mal, you went out there. You had a great year for Dayton. You got a lot of potential. Uh, you know, this Dayton team doesn't look like it's going anywhere. Why don't you think about going to X, Y, or Z? And it's the same thing with Deron Holmes. You're going to have Big people, East. Right, or wherever, wherever. Wherever else you're being recruited. Um, and that's the scary part, at, specifically at a mid-major school now, because you're going to see a lot of that. But the flip side, of course, is Dayton can also play the free agent market as well. You know, right. you, you can nab a Camaro off the free agent uh, market. <laughs> But yeah, like that's where I, that's where it's coming from for me. It's kind of like, look, we got some bad apples who are kind of spoiling the bunch here, and I want to make sure that the guys who are committed and the guys I want to build this program around going forward are happy. And this, you know, and I'm not going to name names because it's pure speculation, but it could be two or three guys who are 
constantly complaining about playing time or they're, you know, not getting enough shots. And that can have an effect on the team's morale. And it also, it can make a kid who's somewhat happy at the school think, you know what, I, I gave this, you know, a good college try, not to use the pun, but it's like, you know, I, maybe there's greener pastures elsewhere. Yep. Matt, um, wrapping up the segment tonight, where where does VCU go from here? Um, you guys are kind of trying to to wipe away the, the stench of the Wagner and Chattanooga losses to start the year, but at eight and four with a you know you snuck out of Dayton with a win, you got a five game winning streak now to get to eight and four. It kind of seems like VCU could to earn some goodwill in the conference and play their way into the NCAA tournament at large bid. Yeah, I think VCU is in an interesting situation. I mean, I think had we had we pulled off that win against Connecticut and we hung with Baylor. Um, we, we might be onto something. Uh, one, I think VCU scheduling was way smarter than people really realized. Um, Wagner's going to win a bunch of games. They're likely going to win their conference and they're, they're number one seventeen on Ken Palm right now. So that's our bad loss is to, yep. a, you know, a number one seventeen team early in the season. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I, I think we're just scratching the surface. We've, we've never had a full team this whole season. We didn't have ACE until four games ago. Um, and then since we've had them, we didn't have Hassan Ward. We didn't, uh, and Mikel Brown Jones for two or three of those games. We just didn't have Levi and, and Jalen um, Nunn. So it's, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Rams are sort of sc- scratching the surface of their potential. They're still figuring out how to play together. Um, hopefully we can figure out some bit of, uh, of an offense, but I, I do think um, the Rams can, can win a lot of games in the A-10 um, as these all these pieces kind of learn how to play without Bones Highland, basically. Yeah, for sure. Matt, I, I wanted to ask you a, a question as we, we wrap up the show tonight. Um, is that right now in, in Dayton land, if you're not aware, and the people listening to this are maybe from the VCU side that aren't aware, um, I'm not crying wolf yet. Um, we're not doing the, the skies falling on the program thing or anything mm-hmm. like that. But where we are right now is kind of outlining to people how the youth of our team is not an excuse and how a lot of people in our fan base think it's impossible to get talent and reload every year and go back to the tournament. Yeah. It, it seems like VCU has been effective at doing that. And it seems like people in Dayton like don't want to face the reality that like VCU has done that now for like almost a decade. And so I wanted your perspective on like, is it a legitimate beef from Dayton fans right now to be like, hey, why aren't we reloading to try and play for an at-large bid every year? I think it's it's 100% a legit beef. I mean, in terms of, you know, like quote-unquote mid-major basketball, um, how many how many schools pack in 13,000 fans every game? How many have the, the money? Less UD than 30. Spend? Right. How many have the money that UD spends? And so in terms of basically every advantage um, – they have they have a competitive advantage over their competition. And following Archie, I mean, Archie had like three top fifty teams. You know, we went to four consecutive NCAA tournaments. So, you know, he showed what what Dayton is capable of, and kind of really he set a standard. Um, and it, obviously, Coach Grant had that awesome year that ended with COVID. Um, that who knows what could have happened. But outside of that, it's been mediocrity and and beyond what 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 Dayton is spending and. Um, and I, I don't know how VCU, I think, well, actually, I, I think the way VCU has done it is they just hit the, you know, hit the lottery and all these coaches. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 
Dayton, I, I do think it's I think it's fair to to be critical um, because Dayton has all the advantages in the A10, and you're now you're pulling in top fifty recruits like Holmes, um, and yeah, I think um, I think some some heat is is warranted, honestly. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, Matt. <clears throat> and I'll be honest, that's a perfect place to end the show tonight. Blackburn, give me some final thoughts. And let's get out of here. Uh, you know what? It was it was nice to have the Flyers back in our lives again. If but for 40 minutes, tough loss. Um, a lot of lessons going to be learned the rest of the way. And Mal Smith and Deron Holmes, let's get uh, let's get that nil stuff lined up for him. <laughs> let's keep keep them happy, baby. Keep let's go happy. Um, Matt Sheldon, out of VC Ram Nation again. Our other guests on the show tonight, Matt. It's always a pleasure to have you. Do you have final thoughts? And did you come prepared with a yacht rock song um, as is customary? Oh man! Well, one, uh, I love I love coming on the podcast. I think I do like one podcast a year, and it's this one. Uh, so keep, <laughs> keep inviting me back. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I didn't come prepared with a Yacht Rock song, but I, I've got one now. I think it's fitting for tonight. Uh, sure. A game one with an ace Baldwin uh, three pointer. So we'll go with a song, a little song called How Long by the band Ace. If you can, if you can play us out to that. I will definitely play you out to that. Um, Right now, there are some COVID concerns within the George Washington program. I bring that up at the end of the show because you guessed it. UD is playing George Washington on the road in Foggy Bottom. That's D.C. for all you not geographically inclined. That that will be Saturday noon Eastern early tip off. Um, Keep an eye out, Uh, whether you're a Twitter person or Instagram or even Facebook. I think they announce those things on these days. Uh, There will be some kind of announcement one way or the other. We'll probably know if that game is being played by like Friday afternoon. Um, And your guess is as good as mine. That game could still get canceled. If you didn't see today, Dayton's game against Rhode Island has been rescheduled. That's February 14th, a Monday night in Kingston. All right, I'm signing off. You heard the man. It's How Long. The band is Ace. That's a song I'm going to take you out if you're listening on the podcast feed. I'm your host, Sully, on behalf of Blackburn and Matt Shelton-Eyde of VCU Ram Nation. Dayton a loser, 53-52. Thanks for sticking around all the way to the bitter end. And if you're here listening to the show, you know there are two rules. Wear red and be loud, and we will catch you next week.
afraid.